Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today we have another review of What the Actual Fork. Um, I did a review last week and they had another really interesting episode that I just felt compelled to review because it's really important information and great content. Um, I also wanted to do a quick uh, personal recap, Um, but first... I did get a little trouble on my last podcast. And look, I, so my intent in this podcast is never to hurt people's feelings. I, that's the last thing I ever, ever, ever want to do. And I almost didn't start this podcast because I was afraid of putting my personal beliefs out there, my personal opinions, because regardless of, of what, like a lot of times people get their feelings hurt if you're telling your strong opinions. And, and so I, I've tried to be very truthful and honest in this podcast and not hurt people's feelings, but that is just going to happen. If it, I know it's going to happen and all of the amazing shows that I listen to. I mean, one of the reasons the people that I love the most are the people that say exactly what they think. And they're very honest you know, and, and sometimes that ends up hurting people in their lives and they share that. So, so I want to share this because, you know, on my last podcast, I mentioned the way that Jenna, the RD's voice on what the actual fork sounded on her very first podcast. And I do not think, and this is very truthful, I do not think the way that she sounded on that very first podcast is representative of her voice in general. I think on that very first podcast, uh, she was very nervous. You know, we're all nervous on our first few episodes. I think she was drinking. So, of course, that changes our voices. And it was three years ago. So I, 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 and I, I really debated on whether I should share that on that first episode, her voice was a little bit irritating to me. I really debated whether I should talk about that because I didn't want to offend her. And I figured she could hear this podcast and I I didn't want to hurt her feelings by saying that. I I did say it and I did hurt her feelings. She did reach out and she did share that it was not nice and that she thought it was a low blow. And, and I responded that, you know, I, I really did not, that was not my intent. I did feel compelled to say that because, because I thought it multiple times through that first episode. Now I've, and, and when you're listening to a podcast, you are literally listening to someone's voice for about an hour. Um, and so I did feel it was important to share that. Now I have listened to four, four of their podcasts now, and I don't feel the same way about the following three others that they recorded. Now, again, I re- I listened to episodes that they had recorded, you know, much later than that very first episode. And they had changed a bunch of things and they had a lot more experience under their belt. So, so her voice was not irritating to me in other future episodes. So I did want to say that, Jenna, if you're listening to this, I am very sorry that I hurt your feelings. That absolutely was not my intent. And your voice is not annoying. It just was happened to be annoying on that first episode. So, and, and they have really good content 
They have, they are helping people. They are very vulnerable. And I did feel a little bit less bad when on this podcast I'm about to review, Jenna shared that she had made a comment on this popular, there's, she's, she made what she said was a snarky, bitchy comment on somebody's, she like made a reel about her feelings towards this fitness influencer who was tracking like all of her steps. And apparently Jenna had posted this video kind of like retorting to that video, basically being like, why do we need to count everything? And she said that she was snarky and bitchy on it. And she's gotten a lot of negative feedback from this girl's followers. And as someone who has also made a comment on social media and been attacked for it, as I shared in many other podcasts ago, um, mainly by men, I was attacked um, because it was that domestic violence comment that I made, which again, I've learned my lesson. I think I've learned my lesson because I seem to keep getting in trouble. But but again, we've all, anyone that's putting themselves out there in a public way, anybody that is commenting or retorting to people, they're going to get they're going to hear about it, right? Just like I did, just like Jenna did. Um, and so, you know, it's, she said that now she now just like deletes people's comments that that, that come from that post. Um, I did the same thing with the, the men that were attacking me when I made that comment in the, in the past because it was just so negative what I was getting. And I'm like, why did I like just delete? Now I left Jenna's comment on there. So if you want to go read it, see my humiliation and, and my response where I did take accountability, uh, you can go to my Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, and so, she, you know, she hates me probably, but I did want to review another one of her podcasts just because I thought it was really good content. And then I will leave what the fork, what the actual fork for a little while and review other podcasts, but I probably will be back because again, I really like it. I like their name. I like the content they put out. So again, that the last podcast was not an overarching summary of, of what I feel about what the actual fork. So moving on, wanted to give a quick personal update. Uh, I have been, you know, my last episode, I shared that, you know, I had some balance and that I was still, you know, eating a good amount of processed sugar, not drinking alcohol. So this past weekend, I kind of OD'd on the sugar and I'm, I'm realizing I just need to take a little bit of a break from it. Um, I got this, I got two large Butterfinger blizzards and had, had them add extra Heath, Heath bar crunch. No, extra Heath bar, which I love toffee and also Oreos. (laughs) So, and the, the woman that was behind there making it, um, she made it really good, meaning she put a lot of stuff in it. So it was so good, but literally like a third of the way through, you know, when you eat too much sugar and, and your mouth finally, like you can't even taste it anymore because you've just had too much. That's happened to me many times through each of these blizzards. So that's just to say that I intuitively, I need a little bit of a break from processed sugar. Uh, I also ate basically an entire carton of chocolate covered macaroons by myself, which they were delicious. I went and saw a really good movie. I saw that movie Plane that just came out with Jared Butler. Highly recommend if you like action movies, but I consumed basically an entire package of chocolate macaroons. Uh, again, in 
enjoyed every minute of it, not beating myself up, but realizing this week, I think it, I think all that sugar just made me anxious and, um, kind of the feeling I get when I eat, when I drink too much alcohol. So I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break of processed sugar this week. Uh, and then, you know, and then, you know, I'm, I'm flying back to Arizona on Sunday. So I'm excited to get back into my routine a little bit. I miss my healthy frozen low sugar protein shake uh, shake that I typically make in the morning. Um, But I did copy, my mom has this green smoothie recipe book. So I copied a bunch of green smoothies because I want to make just different types and change it up a little bit when I get back. I might do a month of uh, a month break of processed sugar when I get back. I might like bring back the alcohol and stop the processed sugar for a month. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. No promises, but we'll see. Uh, also a quick update on my new year, new you challenge. So it's going pretty well. I mean, there are days like, so last Sunday that I just said, no, I'm not going to do this one. <laughs> just not. Uh, it basically was saying, take an endorphin break. Oh, no, not an endorphin, a dopamine break. So basically it was about how all of us in today's society, we're constantly getting these dopamine hits because we're getting pings on social media. We're, you know, getting, um, you know, whatever it is, like a lot of it's tied to our phone, of course, because we're all addicted to our phones these days. So it wanted, it wanted you to either put down your phone or if you get dopamine rush by working out, then you you can't work out that day. You should meditate instead. And I was like, and I had already planned to go for a run that day. And I just didn't want to break that plan. I, I needed to run. I felt my body needed that that day. And I wanted to listen to it. And, and I had a ton of anxiety because I'd eaten so much damn sugar. And I needed to go for a run to just feel my anxiety release and, and endorphins. Now, I meant to look up endorphins and dopamine are, I think, two different neurotransmitters. Um, And so I feel like I'm doing it more for the endorphin rush than the dopamine rush. So anyway, I'll research that after I, after I get off this pod. Um, So anyway, so I skipped that. Another one that they wanted us to do is to do something this year that really scares us, like a big challenge that we're going to take on, but it has to be so big that it's something that's like frightening to you. And I mean, really, I'm doing a lot of things that scare the shit out of me. I mean, I'm a very fear-based person. That's not something I'm proud of. I'm trying to change that. Um, Like I'm scared to open this business in Boston because I'm afraid of failing, but I'm doing it anyway. And I'm scared to... So I'm, I'm, con- I, well, I did commit to taking on this, uh, this third job. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm scared about that. I suppose i start tomorrow. Um, I'm going to, I'll tell you more about it if I end up keeping it. I, I, I want this year to be my year of hustle. I want to get into a very strong financial position. And so I decided to, I got recruited for this job and so I'm, I said, yes, I literally got hired like on, on the very first interview, like right on the spot, which we'll see if 
the company is a good one. I mean, I it seems like a good company. So we'll see. I just, I'm going to try to do three jobs. I'm going to try to do my podcast. I'm going to try to do my startup company. And then I'm going to try to do this third one. And we shall see. So, so again, so there's a lot of things I'm scared about. But the way that the New Year, New You challenge was kind of phrasing it is... <clears throat> It seemed like they wanted fitness to be involved in it. So what I decided to make my challenge this year is to try surfing. So have any of you guys surfed? I'm very, I I feel like it's something I've always wanted to try. I'm scared of the ocean because when I was little, I got pulled under the ocean by a really strong current and almost like I felt like I was going to drown. I didn't drown, obviously. But I'm, I'm really, the riptides, like I'm not someone that goes swimming in the ocean. I might like walk so my feet get wet up to my calves. <laughs> That's about as far as I'm going. I'm scared of sharks. I'm scared of gross seaweed touching me. I, you know, I'm, I don't want to get my hair wet in public. I, I, my hair looks horrible when I get it wet and I'm not doing it immediately. So again, that's vanity. But again, it's another thing I just have to get over to do this. So, and plus, no, I think I'd be good at it. Like I I think I have good balance. I have good core strength. And so it's always been something where when I've watched, for some reason, like I get a lot of surfing videos in my reels. I must like, I don't know. I'm just, I love watching people surfing and I don't know. So it's it's something I'm going to try. I might even surf in Maine. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to do it. I I think I'm going to look up like how you can train to surf. Like there must be some way you can like, you know, strengthen your core and work on your balance. So I'm going to kind of work train a little bit leading up to the summer months and then figure out where I'm going to go to surf. So that's my new year, new year challenge. Um, so we'll see what's next. It's going pretty good. I mean, again, I'm I'm striving to also not be a perfectionist. So, and that's been something I've been working on for the past like two years or so. And and you know, so with this new year, new you challenge, I'm not like, you know, destroying myself if I skip one or I say, you know what, I'm gonna think about that and do that at another time. Like I like I believe in the in not giving myself that dopamine rush. Uh I just like net to that day was not the day. So I'll try it another day. All right. So let's now get into the review of what the actual fork. And the reason that I wanted to do this specific episode was because it's about kids on weight loss drugs. And so apparently the American Academy of Pediatrics recently came out recommending weight loss drugs or bariatric surgery to children in certain age groups. Now, the hosts of What the Actual Fort, Jenna and Sam, they were, they're both parents. So they were extremely triggered by this and really upset, very angry as they should be, as, as all parents should be. Uh, I'm not a parent, so I, I can't relate on that level, but I can only imagine how I'd feel if I went to the doctor and they were trying to recommend weight loss drugs to my child. I mean, that is, it's, I mean, I already have a problem. And again, 
I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I also think, and again, this is just my personal, very strong opinion, but I think they're giving out way too many ADHD drugs and all of these drugs for kids that are like energetic and need to need to expel some energy. I I don't know. I, I think that for obviously there are going to be situations and conditions that require medical intervention in children, right? I think I've told the story about, you know, when I was out marketing my cannabis company, I would never approach people with kids. And this guy finally approached me with this child that I kept avoiding because his child had you know, childhood leukemia and, and used cannabis during his treatment and it saved his life. But, but was I like seeking out children to go and have this conversation? No, because, because children that do require cannabis, you know, as, as kids, pediatrics, it's, it's rare. It's, you know, it's, and usually you're using just CBD. So, so I'm in the cannabis industry. I'm very careful around that conversation around, you know, with, with kids. And I would never, never target children in, you know, to make money. I, it's just, it's literally disgusting. And, and, you know, Jenna and Sam made some really, really good points through this. Uh, so, so the, the newly released nutrition recommendations for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, you know, the implications for this are obviously huge. And, and they, they wanted to bring this emergency episode on because they want other people to be informed. And so they invited this woman. They already had Christine Byrne, who's also a registered dietitian. She has a master's in public health. She's a, she's a journalist. Um, she takes a non-diet approach to health and believes that everyone, you know, can have a peaceful relationship with food. So, so they had her on as a guest and basically they started out just kind of like an introduction before they brought Christine um, Christine on as a guest. Sammy started out kind of hypothesizing that she thinks this could be doctors doubling down on the concept of health at every size. And it's, it's almost like a backlash to the anti-diet culture movement. Um, Jenna mentioned that she had heard on another podcast that, well, I, I guess it was mentioned on this, but but this was a really good point, that children need certain nutrients for growth and development. And for example, with bariatric surgery, you know, with, with that type of surgery, you only can eat a very small amount of food at like, it, it, you know it closes off part of your stomach. So you only can fit in a certain amount of food. And she brought up, well, if, if they only have this very small amount of room, you know, and whether it's a drug, if, if it's a weight loss drug where you have no appetite and you only want to eat a small amount, obviously the importance is, are those nutrient dense foods? And of course, children are not going to have the wherewithal to make the the nutrient dense choices. She's like, what if they choose, what if the only thing they they have in a day is a soda? And she's like, and that's all they have all day. And she's like, can can you imagine that just sugar and water and, and, you know, what's going to happen to their development, you know? And so, and I think that that's such an important point. Uh, Sammy talked about how, 
you know, weight loss has never been a focus for kids in the past. And she's just like, where is this suddenly coming from? Jenna, you know, pointed out that as a mom, she would do anything a doctor told her to do to protect her children. And, you know, and, and, and she's putting herself in the place of people that aren't as educated as they are, you know, as registered dietitians, of course, they would, if a doctor ever recommended that they give their child a weight loss drug, they're educated people. So they would obviously know that that was wrong and that they need to advocate for their child's welfare and health care. But a lot of people aren't educated. A lot of people will just blindly follow what their doctors do uh, or what their doctors say. You know, I, I met a woman who had been recommended, she kept get, getting higher and higher and higher doses of opioids until her entire bowel system had to be, like, she, she was now on a colostomy bag because she was so constipated from the opioids she was taking that she had to have her bowel system removed. And and she was on a colostomy bag. So literally, and, and she she just kept wanting to listen to what her doctor was giving her and her doctor was anti-cannabis. So, you know, people will blindly follow what their doctor says. And again, this is why we have an opioid crisis right now. And, you know, pharmaceutical companies have been known to lie in the past. Hmm. It, you know, they, they, a lot of, there's, there's good ones. And then there's the Purdue companies that, are literally evil human beings. So, and we've all seen, you know, a lot of us have seen the movie Dope Sick. If you haven't, go check it out. Uh, you know, the the pharmaceutical companies are trying to make money, as we know. And so, you know, she's talking about, well, there's, there's a segment of the population that is very uneducated in nutrition. And, and they believe what their doctors tell them, and they're just going to blindly follow what their doctors tell them and give their kids drugs, weight loss drugs, give their, you know, schedule their kids for bariatric surgery. So Sam also mentioned and talked about that moms are also feeling really guilty for passing down diet culture. So of course, they're going to give these meds to their children. You know, because it's it's like a Band-Aid to, to make them feel like they're doing the right thing. She's like, we already know that kids were put on, that kids that were put on diets as, we already know that people that were put on diets as kids have to deal with trauma from that as a result. What about kids that, what about what's going to happen to these kids that are put on drugs and forced to have surgery? Like, what's that trauma going to look like? And, and the Diet Starts Tomorrow girls talk about that, um, was Emily was was put in a fat camp when she was young. And she has a lot of trauma from that and a lot of, you know, feelings that she's still working through. Um, and and I think that that's a, a really good point. And, you know, Sammy, who used to be Sammy from Diet Starts Tomorrow from Betches, you know, her and Aileen, I really commend them because one of the things that they've attempted to do and, and have been successful at. You know, they've worked really hard to get out of the diet culture mentality. And one of the reasons is they don't want to pass diet culture talk down to their children. And I think parents that are aware of of not wanting to do that are definitely ahead, you know, are definitely steps ahead of the rest of society. And it's a wonderful thing to not want to pass our trauma down to our children and to just be aware of language that we're using so that we are less likely to do that. 
Jenna talked about, we don't even know the side effects from these drugs. You know, what if they stop making it? You know, what if all of these kids have their hunger and craving cue issues, you know, while being on these drugs, but then... But then suddenly the the drug company goes out of business or stops making it or we find out it causes heart attacks like FenFen or, or, you know, heart problems like FenFen does. And and what's going to happen to these kids then? How are they going to have their relationship with their bodies at this point? What's that what's that going to look like? And I think that's a great point as well. You know, there have been some long term studies done on Ozempic for diabetes, but not for weight loss, especially in children. And so Sam talked about, you know, not to mention the fact that their their weight, that weight is based on biology, right? Like we genetically, our weight and our body shape and size most times is based on our genetic profile. And and you can't just change that with drugs. So if a doctor recommend, recommended this to her child, she's like, I would rage. She's like, but I'm educated. And she's like, a lot of parents aren't educated on this topic and, you know, the harms that come from diet culture at a young age. So <clears throat> Jenna talked about that. She's like, then there's home, then there are the different homes where these children will be visiting, right? She's like, not every home is, you know, every home is a little bit different in terms of how they are around food, their relationship to food, their thoughts, and how they they talk about diet culture, whether it's it's in their home or not. She's like, some families have food freedom, and these restricted kids will get confused. They'll go to these kids, other kids' homes and, and be out of control. Then they'll be in this binge restrict cycle. They'll be, you know, It'll cause all kinds of behaviors that will be very traumatizing later in life and will create bad habits. So all very, very, very good points. And so they they then brought in this interview that they had had with Christine, who again is another registered dietitian and a food journalist. And so... So they start, and again, when they rebranded from the drunk dietitians, I think they started this segment like, what's your, what the actual fork from diet culture for the week? Um, and so, and, and that's how they got on this topic because they already had Christine booked, but of course they're going to ask what, you know, what's your actual fork moment? And this news had just been released. So they were very grateful that Christine wanted to tackle this and talk about it. And, and they were just shocked. You know, Christine was just like, you know, they're recommending behavioral interventions above a certain weight threshold and weight loss drugs and surgery are recommended for kids 13 and up. She's like, so many people have this surgery and they come in. So she's talking about her clientele. She's like, she sees so many people that have this surgery and they come in with all kinds of health issues. Uh, Their body can't absorb nutrients. Their digestive systems have been irreparably damaged. She's like, it's a really big deal to have this surgery. And I mean, I had a weight loss client that died from having this surgery. I had a client who she she had had a couple of different surgeries in the past, she had eaten, eaten through them. You know, she ate, 
she drank ice cream. She drank gravy, she said. I mean, and that's where the psychology comes in, right? This is a grown woman who had weight loss surgery. And because she didn't work on the the, the mental reasons, right? The 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 mind body connection, right? The 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 reasons, the psychological reasons that she was binging and that she was choosing these foods. So she would have the surgery and then she would, she would, she would, you know, just ruin the progress that she had made by, you know, drinking the ice cream, drinking the gravy. So, you know, who's to say that a child would be able to make the right choices after having a surgery, right? And I've heard, I mean, I, I've followed a bunch of people on Instagram that have had surgeries. I've talked to people, you know, other weight loss clients, this one person, they had had, they had had such bad heartburn once they had the surgery that they had to have it reversed. They're like, they couldn't eat. They literally had such bad heartburn that they just, they just couldn't, you know, function normally. And, and I assume that, you know, sometimes the surgeries go well and there's less side effects and sometimes the surgeries don't go well and people have problems for the rest of their lives. So imagine you're one of these children that has, you know, heartburn for, and you can't keep food down or, you know, you eat so much you start puking and you get sick. It's, it's, there's so many harmful potential side effects from the surgery. And, and that's not to say that it, it shouldn't be an option for adults, right? It's, it's a choice that people should be able to make as an adult. And for, for doctors to be able to, for doctors to recommend this, for big pharma to get their hands on the Academy of Pediatrics is so scary. And this woman, Christine, just sat there. She's just like, oh, my God. And it, it, and this, so when they were taping this, the news had just come out. And you could, you could literally hear the shock in their voices. I mean, there were many pauses through the podcast because they were just like, it's sitting there just like marveling at this, this news and just in complete shock. And they're, they're almost like didn't know how to take it or how to respond. It's, it was, it's, it really is insane. And, you know, I know from, from, you know, when being in cannabis, you know, for my startup company, I've had to lobby legislative bodies to help pass certain regulations so that we could operate. Right. So I understand, I, it it really helped me to understand how, how a lot of corporations are basically in have politicians in their pockets and not that we we had any politicians in our pockets what i'm saying by that is like companies that have a vested interest right companies that want to operate in a certain way and need certain laws passed so that they can do that now usually it's a lot of times it's harmful right there's Europe has way harsher food guidelines and restrictions on what can go in food than America does. And that's because our food industry, you know, has lobbied the our government to allow chemi- certain chemicals and additives in our food because they make more money. And it's it's companies that stand to make money that will take the time and the effort and put the resources behind it 
to affect these laws. Now, when I did it, it was just me. I literally had to go and write emails and 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 fly up to Oregon and testify simply to get the service of delivery of cannabis legal in Oregon. I mean, just so we could deliver cannabis to people in their homes. I mean, it's 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 crazy. And 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 I was successful. We did help pass those laws. But I was so exhausted after. You know, there were other states I should have put those efforts into because we actually operated there, but I didn't. I put them into Oregon. But it just made me realize, like, oh, so this is how laws get passed. You have to put a lot of resources. You know, for me, it was just my time and my effort and our company money to, like, fly up there. We didn't pay anybody. It was just time-consuming. But, you know, and obviously these big corporations have lobbyists that they can pay and, you know, that talk to these government officials to pass these laws and and big pharma. It's working right. It's it's you know, I mean, this is why we don't have federal cannabis legalization yet, because big pharma is keeping it down. So and big pharma has been very successful with the Academy of Pediatrics. I mean, look what they've gotten past. They've gotten past weight loss drugs for kids. It's literally insane. It's it's freaking insane. I, it's it really is shocking. Um and and look, you know, you have I mean, anyway, let me let me stop on this because I'm going to start going down too many tangents. Anyway, let me get back. So so Jenna thought she was reading a typo. She's like teaching hunger and fullness cues at the age of six. She's like, oh yeah. She's like, I can see a six-year-old being able to learn hunger and fullness cues. It's just, you know, that's a joke. And, and I would be curious, like, I wonder what a registered dietitian, like, are there any, like, do you do anything for kids? If, if you, if you, if you're worried about their weight? I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in this field and I don't have kids myself, but I, I just wonder from a, a registered dietitian perspective what they would say to that. Um, certainly not weight loss drugs. Uh, but Christine said when she sees kids with eating disorders and she's telling them that it's okay to gain weight back and then the healthcare system is saying this, she's like, it's incredibly, incredibly harmful. And I think that's a really good point. I mean, in general, you can never make people, humans, do anything they don't want to do. So with kids, you know, you know, I think that you can encourage healthier habits like less screen time, less video games, you know, get outside, you know. And and I think, again, that's why our one of the reasons that our culture has changed so much is kids are in front of screens so much rather than when we were kids running around outside playing because that was just, I don't know, it just seems like that happened more when there was just less less channels, less shows to watch, less technology in our lives. Um, but, you know, just like with anybody else, like when I talked about it with, you know, the husbands that would come in and buy their wives, you know, Equinox memberships, it's like it literally was was pointless. A, a woman's not going to work out just because you buy her a gym membership. Like she has to want to move her body and do it in a way that works for her. So, um, so Jenna then s- said she saw that a New Jersey med spa 
was selling semaglutide, which is basically the chemical compound in Ozempic. She said that the med spa was selling injections. She's like, now the clientele that goes to a med spa is typically not the type that needs these shots. Usually people that go to med spas are very vain. It's, you know, they're probably the people that have that last 10 pounds to lose. And and there was a big uh, backlash from Big Pharma that, you know, angry that all these, you know, operators like these compound pharmacies and med spas were selling semaglutide and and combining it with other other compounds and who knows if that's even safe so it's 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 an interesting world we live in but sam thought that it was a joke she's like i thought this was a joke at first she's like remember that ww is targeting children through their weight loss app she's like but this is way worse she's like so many people who were told to lose weight as kids absolutely hate themselves today And it just seems like child abuse. And I think that that's completely right. You know, it's when I, when I, a lot of the people that have podcasts and that that talk about these weight issues, a lot of them were, were people that had families that commented on their weight when they were kids and, and they're traumatized as adults and they can't stop sharing these stories because now they're, they're now trying to heal they're trying to understand where their parents were coming from when they did that. Like Emily Lubin on Diet Starts Tomorrow is able to give her mom a lot of grace because Emily, you know, puts herself in her mom's shoes, even though her mom is the one that took her to that fat camp and, you know, made that topic of of her weight, you know, really excruciatingly traumatic when she was a child. Um, and so... Jenna said, think about the desperation from people who aren't informed. She's like, the people that are being targeted are the people that don't have the education. And Sam said, the clients that she has in in their 40s were, you know, they were the ones that brought their their kids to WW. And she's like, is this a new thing so kids don't struggle like parents do? So she's talking about, you know, People that so actually Taylor Strucker that I talk about all, talk about on this show all the time. I mean, she's now talking about going on Ozempic, and shockingly, you know, to Sammy's point, uh, Taylor's mom brought her to Weight Watchers as a child, and so you know Taylor has struggles with her weight. She struggles with body acceptance. She struggles with binge eating and restricting. I mean, all these things. And it's exactly what Sam said, like, you know, the clients that brought their kids in, you know, those kids, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, the, the, it's not like the parents were evil. The parents, quote, didn't want their kids to struggle like they did. So they're bringing them to Weight Watchers to try to make sure that they don't struggle. Little did they know that that creates trauma and things that they'll have to deal with later in life. I mean, like I said, I didn't think about weight until my grandfather told me I had to lose weight when I was 13. I'm like, I didn't even think about it until then. And then I realized how much positive attention I got when I lost weight. And I'm like, oh, I want more of this. So it's, it's interesting how we are. Like, that's why I think the intuitive eating movement really is important. It's because we're fine until society fucks with us, right? Until society teaches us, teaches us all these crazy messages, um, until big diet and, and big pharma get their hands on us. Like, leave us alone. 
Christine talked about how she's like, it's more like the new Fen Fen. She's like, there's there, she's like, there is more awareness now with parents about not doing this. And she's like, I think parents are more aware. She's like, but kids learn restricting behaviors elsewhere. She's like, there's diet, diet culture behaviors everywhere. It's in the media. It's, it's very hard to get away from. It's just hard to unlearn and, and to not pass it on. She's like, even people that are conscious about it, they do they unconsciously can pass down some behaviors, some ways they speak about themselves. And it's completely unconscious. Um, and, you know, and they're, they're just all kind of taking this in. Uh, Jenna then listen, talked about how she had heard um, on another podcast, that they were talking about Ozempic and, and again, that there were no long-term studies specifically for weight loss. Um, and, and of course, no long-term studies for kids and and Christine was like, well, not to mention this is a drug where you have to get a shot, a needle forever. She's like, the only way you keep the weight off is if you just keep injecting yourself. And that does sound very, um, you know, very intense. I mean, anybody that doesn't like needles, it's it's I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't want to do that. Uh, and Jenna's like, well, who can afford that? She's like, it's supposedly like sixteen hundred a month. And, you know, and there's a lot of times insurance doesn't cover it, especially for people that are just using it for weight loss. Now, maybe, maybe people that have it for diabetes, but she's like, it's, it's, you know, the new expensive weight loss drug. And, uh, you know, Jenna, Jenna, Jenna asked a good question. She's like, from a journalism perspective, she's like, will there be a way to talk about the dangers. She's like, instead of just all this marketing that they're pushing. And Christine said that she thinks that the media has been somewhat critical of Ozempic. She's like, you know, we've heard about the shortages. We've heard, we, we, you know, we've heard that it's been reported that we don't know the side effects. You know, we've all, it's all, it's been reported that it's very expensive and that it only works if you stay on it. She's like, so, but, but there's a lot of people that want that new, quick, expensive fix. Uh, She's like, it's, she's like less on the behavioral intervention. She's like, you know, people who don't know her are going to be like, yeah, you know, teach, teach kids to exercise, you know, teach them good habits. She's like, but even health journalists are like, what? You want to give 13 year olds weight loss surgery? What? Like that's, I mean, anybody's going to think that's insane. And so so, so Sammy was like, well, tell us more about you. You know, how did you get into this? Where did your passion come from? And so Christine said she started as a line cook. She was always interested in food. Admittedly, she said from somewhat of a disordered space. And then she also wanted to be a writer. So she, she combined those two passions. And she originally started, her first job was at BuzzFeed. And they veered into nutrition when, when people were, you know, wanting that. And she said that they weren't really looking at it from an anti-diet perspective at first. Um, She said, you know, she did in the past write some things that she's not proud of. Of course, anybody that's in the public eye, comedians, anybody, you know, put stuff out there in the past that they're not necessarily proud of because they change and they evolve over time. But she's like, then I got a job at Self Magazine. And she's like, it was a time of rebranding. She's like, they were talking about, you know, how do we talk about health now? You know, what, what are healthy foods? Like, what does that mean? And she said, they realized a lot of diet stuff just doesn't work. 
and and they wanted to look at how they defined health food and health recipes and and so she did that for a while she said she got a little burnt out she decided to go back to school and become a dietitian and so she and she was an english major so that took her 4 years and so she she did a lot of writing on the side she wrote about intuitive eating she would write a lot of anti-diet stuff and she said now she's that she's been she, now she's been a dietitian for about a year and and she just loves helping people and she has a special focus of helping people with eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors and and Jenna said she said saw that 70% of information that goes viral actually has false information uh, she's talking about um information that gets put out by the media and she said like carnivores for example she's like you know the carnivore diet is going viral right now but obviously that's not a, a very well balanced approach to health uh but it's viral so she's like so what gets the most interest from what you write and how do you make it you know more you know attract the 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 you know, helpful stuff attract more eyeballs. And so Christine said, look, it's it's easier to go viral if you're lying. And that's a really stat, sad state of affairs. She's like, you know, people are still Googling weight loss and Googling, you know, five ways to eat less and 10 ways you can lose weight. And she's like, so, you know, if people are still searching for it, media outlets are going to want to create content around that. That's just how the world works. Um, you know, so, it, it, you know, people just, th this is just kind of this, the state of our, of our, of our world. She's like, but if people start searching for anti-diet stuff and intuitive eating, that will start to get more attention. So, and Sammy said in regards to publications, what can people do to see less diet culture focus and and see more anti-diet message? Like, how do you get that into your algorithm? And Christine, like, it's, it's a feedback loop. She's like, even the most prestigious news outlets, they want as good SEO. She's like, everybody's trying to get those eyeballs. So they'll write stories about the, the popular topics and, and what those eyeballs are searching for. So, you know, we just as a society need to start, you know, choosing to Google and search body neutrality, you know, uh, body acceptance, self-love. And she's like, the media outlets will respond and focus on those topics, but there has to be like a societal change. And so... Oh, and this is where Jenna talked about the girl online that wears her Apple watch on her ankle and tracks every step. Um, and she, and again, this is where she talked about where she made a snarky video that came across as bitchy and it was just like, do we need to track everything? And she said she got, you know, very negative feedback on this because this is a very popular influencer. And of course, Jenna was coming from the, like, you don't have to get crazy and track everything, right? Like, People, so many people I know get very obsessive and, and very like, like Aileen talks about it all the time that once she starts tracking things, she just feels herself getting obsessed and wanting to like, you know, I don't know. She's so numbers driven that she's like, well, how, how, I wonder how many calories I'll burn with it. So she just, she, 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 what she sees is that by tracking, it causes her to fall back into this mentally unhealthy place. And so that's really where Jenna was coming from. 
Um, but she got a bad, a lot of, you know, bad, of negative feedback from that, from responding to that post. And Christina's like, yeah, she's like, people become a slave to tracking things. And people just need to understand that, look, if you walk a little less, it's fine. Like you're going to be okay. You don't need to get that perfect 10,000 steps in. And, you know, and, and Kim Shapira that I had on, who's also a registered dietitian, would say differently. You know, she really wants her clients to focus on that at first so that it becomes a habit. And I think Kim's point is that once you create that habit and you're just in that mode of getting movement in every day, that's when you don't have to count and track everything. But I think she was talking at first, it was important for her clients just to get there. Um, but again, if it causes unhealthy behaviors from the get-go, you know, maybe maybe one shouldn't do that. It's, it really is very individual and, you know, what works for you. Just like for me, getting on a scale works for me. Getting on a scale does not work for everybody. You know, some people get really triggered by that three to five pound fluctuation. I don't. I, I like, I don't know. I like the data points. I like to get on a scale. Again, that's me. It's definitely not right for a lot of people. And so then they talked about, um, Sammy said, Jenna was just saying that this could be a disordered relationship. Oh, Sammy was defending Jenna. She's like, Jenna was just saying that this could be a disordered relationship with movement. She's like, just something to be aware of. I mean, haters are going to hate, but that's all she was pointing out. So she was defending her friend. Christine said, talked about, remember that Adele backlash? She's like, I think she said in an article that she worked out three times a day. And she wanted to say, she wanted to like say in an article that this is quite disordered and her editor wouldn't let her. She's like, you can't say that about Adele if you haven't talked to her about that. And so she didn't put it out there, but that's internally how she did feel. And, you know, the message to the public, it, you know, what, what that sends to the public is, oh, if you want to look like Adele and you want to lose all this weight, maybe you should work out three times a day. So I did go and look up that quote. Um, I did want to see actually what Adele said. It, it did come from British Vogue. And so I'll read it. So speaking about her fitness journey, Adele explained that she works out two or three times a day, adding, I do my weights in the morning, then I norm, then I normally hike or I box in the afternoon, and then I go and do my cardio at night. Now, I Adele obviously was on a big weight loss journey and, and I get like when you, when I chalk this up to, cause obviously there, there could be something disordered about it, but there also is something that happens that when you start seeing, like, if you do want to lose weight and you do have a weight loss goal and you start to see results, sometimes that gets so exciting that you just want to keep doing the behaviors that got you to this point in general. So it can become a little addicting but it's also, it's, it's can be just based on positive reinforcement that, oh, these positive behaviors got me here and I want to just do them even more. Um, and again, I, I, I think that that can lead to disordered thoughts. It, I don't think it necessarily means it's coming from a disordered place. Uh, but anyway, that's just my, my thought on that. Uh, and then Jenna said, Jenna talked about how in the article, um, 
oh, she was saying that she was quoted that she wasn't sure she would do it again. She's like, but how many people will still do it? She's like, a lot of people will look at a celebrity that, you know, said that they got to a certain place by doing it a certain way and will want to do it themselves. It's funny, actually, Emily Lubin talked about this, how when Britney Spears said, or when her friend said, oh, Britney Spears does like 100 sit-ups a day, Emily Lubin was suddenly like, maybe I should do 100 sit-ups a day. I think I actually remember myself hearing about Britney Spears doing 100 sit-ups a day, and I, I specifically do remember thinking, I should do that too. And I think I tried for a little while, but couldn't stick to it and never ended up really doing it. Um, but it, you know, it, it is, it is a thing. I mean, we see celebrities that we adore and, and if they've, their bodies have changed in a certain way, we want to do what they're doing if, if that appeals to us. So, you know, influencers influence, you know, celebrities are influential people. So I understand why this was a topic, right? And, and there was a lot of backlash. There were people that wanted Adele to stay the size that she was. And there's a lot of, de- of people that were like, I liked her better before. And it's like Adele needs to be able to lose her, like live her life and do what she wants to do. And as if, if this is what she wants to do, let the girl live, you know, applaud her for, you know, making changes in her life and 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 achieving it. Now, hopefully it, it wasn't in a disordered way. But she does look great. So anyway, uh, so so Jenna's just basically saying, you know, marathon runners even will just train for a few months, not every single day, and then they'll fuel themselves properly. So Jenna's just talking about, you know, what is this larger conversation? What are we influencing? What are we perpetuating? And I think that that is anybody that's in the public eye should should think about that. Like, what am I what am I influencing? Right. Um, I mean, that was one of the reasons I almost didn't start this podcast. I was afraid. I'm like, I don't want to perpetuate diet culture. Um, and so, you know, I, I try to I try to say a lot that my things are for me, you know, individual approaches, because I do think it's important to be very focused on what works for you and not speak for others. Uh, and so Sammy said, did anyone Oh, she she was asking, um, she was asking Christine if did anyone ever ask you to write a what do I eat in a day kind of piece, and Christine was like, no, not about myself and like what I actually write, what I actually eat on a personal level. She's like, but I have written about you know this phenomenon of of like what people eat in a day, like how this has become a thing on social media, and she's like, these celebrity cultures moved to influencer culture and made it seem accessible to all of us. And she talked about how there used to be this publication. I, I can't remember exactly what the name of this name of it was, but she said it was this, it was a celebrity version of what I eat in a day. And she's like, and it was a lot of restaurant name dropping. She's like, but she remembers that she always enjoyed reading it, but she's like, there wasn't a weight loss angle to it. She's like, now people are doing, doing, you know, posting this on, on Instagram with a picture of their abs first, you know, to say, look, basically, like, if you want to look like this, eat what I eat in a day. Now, I am someone who loves to hear about what people eat in a day. (laughs) I just do. I'm, whether it's indulgent, whether it's healthy, I just, I don't know, I just 
love hearing about people's typical day. That used to be a question we would ask people when I used to work in the weight loss company. And I still, I still ask it. I'm still always curious, like, oh, what'd you have? What'd you eat? Like, I don't know. And, and I would, I would be very interested to see what celebrities eat. I just, you know, whenever those magazines come out where, you know, it's about health and it's about what these people eat. I'm just interested. I just, I do. Now I know that there's an unhealthy version to it. Like I talked about that super, super modely way. She looked way too thin influencer that was like, what I eat in a day in LA. And, and, you know, it was green smoothies and berries and, you know, you know, lettuce leaves with, with, you know, one ounce of grilled chicken on it. I mean, it was so, I, that, that was the extreme of that. So that, that I will also make fun of, (laughs) we'll say. Um, But just in general, like, I like to, like, that's why I'm diet obsessed. Like, it's not just having to do with diet culture. It's just, I love food talk. I'm Italian. I'm a little bit Jewish. I'm Greek. We love food. So I personally like this. And, but understand that there is a harmful version of it. So, and, and Sammy mentioned that the whole conversation of what you eat, you know, day to day is the reason it can become harmful in today's society is like you see these influencers flying private to LA, you know, getting a $25 smoothly, and then they're not going to a job. And people are like comparing themselves to that. And they're like, why can't I do that? I want to be an influencer. Why don't I have, I don't have, I don't have to work. I just need to post my, my smoothie in a day. And, and she talked about how comparison is the thief of joy truly, truly believe that. And I do think that's one of the reasons that, you know, the the big quit, what was it? The great recession, people quitting their jobs so much. I think there's just too many people that are trying to be Twitter stars or not Twitter stars, uh, TikTok stars. So anyway, uh, Christine said, you know, haven't we had enough of this? She's like, I'm 34. She's like, Facebook existed in college, but it's just gotten out of control. She's like, if you're frustrated with how much diet culture stuff you're getting, just stop searching weight loss stuff. I mean, the algorithms, social media, you know, it has, it has definitely harm. Like I I believe in the future, there will be a lot of restrictions on social media. I don't know what it will look like, but I, I remember on a podcast in the past, I was wondering if like the younger generation, like Gen X, millennials struggled with, with, you know, with body image and with, you know, this heroin chic mentality that people of my age were raised with. And I thought, well, there's so much more awareness now. I think of body acceptance and self-love and and all of these things that I hypothesize that maybe there was less, you know, eating disorders and less, um, you know, such a focus on diet culture. But I think that's not true. I think that the comparison, you know, people comparing themselves is, is even greater than it used to be because of social media. And, you know, I heard on, on, 
on a podcast and it was it was a licensed professional that said, you know, eating disorders in younger generations is out of control. Uh, and so, again, I'm glad I don't have children. <laughs> For the parents out there, I wish you all the luck in the world because it cannot be easy raising kids in this technology-driven society where everyone's comparing themselves and there's too much access and uh, it's just so much to, to, to be focused on as a parent and worried about as a parent. Again, I'm very fear-based, so <laughs> that's one of the reasons I didn't have kids because I'm too much of a scaredy cat of everything in this world trying to change that, but here we are. So anyway, I am very excited to review a new podcast that I've never actually listened to before. Um, Jenna, the RD on What the Actual Fork Who Hates Me, uh, she influenced me because she mentioned this podcast called Unsavory. And I'm like, oh, I got to go look that up. And it's about food and scandals. So I'm like, oh my God, this is totally right up my alley. So I kind of scrolled through to look at some of the episodes and I'm like, oh my God, there's so much good content here. So I will be doing a review on an episode of Unsavory next week. Uh, and I don't know which one yet because I, I need to still look through them and I need to listen to it, but get ready for that. Please follow me on social media. You can find me at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I'm also at Veronica.Santarelli. Um, please leave a review for this podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just scroll down, give me some stars, write a comment, good or bad. We'd really appreciate that. It definitely helps. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very bad